Well, good morning. I got to say, it is so nice to see faces in person. We have been talking and preaching to the back of our phones for the last three months, um, and pictures of people, which, by the way, Heidi, that's really nice, um, but I like seeing you in person better. So it's good to see you guys this morning. Welcome back. We're glad that you are here. Today we are in Psalm 2, so if you have your copy of God's Word, please turn with me to Psalm 2. Now, as you're turning there, I'll give a little bit of background information. Psalms 1 and 2 set the foundation for the entire Psalms, all 150 of them. And Psalm 1, as Pastor Jake preached last week, focuses on the important theme of the law of the Lord. And Psalm 2, which we're going to look at this morning, focuses on the important theme of the Messiah. Now, just to describe the Messiah, the Lord himself sits enthroned as king over the universe, and the Lord's Messiah, Messiah just means anointed one, and so the Messiah is the anointed king that the Lord has chosen to rule on his behalf on earth. And in the Psalms, beginning in Psalm 2, there's an expectation that the Davidic king, so King David and all of his sons, there's an expectation that his kingdom will merge with the kingdom of the Lord. And that's what's being talked about when it talks about the Messiah. What is also helpful here for us is that 2 Samuel 7 is probably the background of this psalm. And in 2 Samuel 7, the Lord makes a lot of promises to King David, but most especially he promises that his sons will be sons to God, and the Lord promises that David's kingdom and his throne will endure forever. So that's a little bit of background information about the Messiah and King David, and we know from Acts 4.25 that King David is actually the author of this psalm. So with that in mind, let's look at this psalm together, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me... I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. This is God's holy word that cannot and does not fail. Again, welcome back. It's been about three months since we have met together in person, and a lot has happened in those three months, right? COVID-19 has taken over the world, and in America alone, over 100,000 people have died because of it. 
It has greatly impacted our daily lives, and it will continue to do so. And it even impacts the way that we are sitting in here this morning with masks and distance. And on top of that, uh, racial injustice has been a problem in America since the beginning. But the unjust killing of George Floyd has brought this issue to the center of our attention in some good ways and in some bad ways. There have been peaceful protests all over the nation, and yet at the same time there have been riots all over the nation. And this too impacts the way that we are gathered here this morning as we have two broken windows from one of the riots that happened a few weeks ago. This is what's going on at a national level and at a world level and doesn't even include the things that are going on in your lives on a personal level. And with all of these things going on, it can seem like and it can feel like God is not in control and that Jesus is not king. In the last few months, have you ever thought that or felt that? God, where are you? Are you really in control of this? Jesus, are you still king? I want to proclaim to you this morning that even though it doesn't seem like it, Jesus is still king. Even though it doesn't seem like it, Jesus is still king. And because Jesus is still king, there are two ways that we should respond, and these are my two points this morning. So first, Jesus is still king, so look to him, verses 1 through 6. And second, Jesus is still king, so take shelter in him, verses 7 through 12. So first point this morning, Jesus is still king, look to him. This psalm begins in verse 1 with a question, and it asks, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Now, the nations and the peoples here refer to every people group outside of the nation of Israel. Israel in the Old Testament was God's chosen people, and so this picture is painting a vivid picture of the whole world outside of Israel raging and throwing a giant hissy fit. They're raging and they're plotting together, or literally the word here is they're meditating together on how to fight against the Lord and his anointed king, which is the Messiah that we talked about earlier. Now in Old Testament times, kings and rulers considered themselves to be gods. And so these false gods, these kings, are working together to try to come against the Lord and his anointed king. They have rejected the reign and the rule of the Lord himself, and they want to set themselves up as the true king, even though they are not. In the imagery here, as I, as I read this and as I picture it, I just picture all of the world leaders gathering together in all of their glory, looking their best, and falling down on the ground in just a giant temper tantrum. If you've ever seen a two-year-old throw a temper tantrum, this is what I'm picturing here. And they're just crying out, I don't want God to be my God. I want to be my own God. I don't want God to be my king. I want to be king. And these nations and these kings are just coming together, throwing a temper tantrum against the Lord. They're raging against the Lord and his anointed king. Now, just as a side note, every single one of our sins rages against the Lord in this way. Now, this temper tantrum is essentially what these kings and rulers mean in verse 3, where they say, let us burst 
Um, I lost my thought here. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. They feel like they're being chained down by the rule of the Lord. And so they're saying that they don't want to be enslaved anymore by the rule of the Lord himself. And they want to throw off the Lord's chains. They want to throw them in the dirt. And they want to become their own ruler and king. Now this gives us a little taste of the earthly perspective And we should keep in mind here that this would have been significant to the Israelites because these nations raging and plotting in vain against the Lord and his anointed means that these nations were actually plotting against Israel themselves. They were trying to dethrone the king of Israel and they're probably trying to fight against them and take them into slavery or even worse, kill them. The raging of the nations could have caused the Israelites to wonder if the Lord is still in control. This would have caused them to wonder, is the Lord still king? But this psalm makes it clear as it continues that these kings and these rulers conspire and they rage in vain because the Lord sits in heavens. The Lord sits in the heavens. This is where we can find comfort and be reminded that the Lord is still king. And the idea here that the Lord sits in heavens, it means that he's not just sitting down in his recliner. It means that he's sitting on his throne in the heavens as the king of the universe. In the last three months, have you struggled to believe that? If you're struggling to remember or believe that, look at God's word with me together. That reminds us That the Lord will reign forever and ever. The Lord is king forever and ever. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. The Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. But you, O Lord, reign forever, and your throne endures to all generations. He is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. And we could go on and on and on with scripture references about the Lord being king. But we can praise him this morning that he is still king. Amen? That was a very quiet amen. I'm just going to assume that's because you're wearing masks. But this is the God and the king that these kings and these rulers are raging against. And God looks at these kings and their rulers in their giant hissy fit, and he laughs. The Lord sits in the heavens and he laughs at them. From the Israelites' perspective, everything that's going on could be really overwhelming and devastating to them. But from God's perspective, he laughs at their plots against them. It's like... A bunch of tame kittens trying to attack a lion. If you can picture that. A bunch of tame kittens trying to attack a lion. It's like, (laughs) yeah, that's cute, but there's no way that those kittens stand a chance. The Lord laughs at them. He ridicules them for attempting to dethrone them. And then he responds to their temper tantrum. And the text tells us that he responds out of his wrath and out of his fury and he wants to terrify them. And this is what he says in verse 6. As for me, 
I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. God's plan to pour out his just wrath on on his enemies is to establish his own earthly king. The Lord rules and he sits enthroned in heaven forever and ever, and yet at the same time he has established his earthly dwelling place in Zion, which is in Jerusalem, which is where the Davidic king reigns. And this is terrifying because this is where the Lord, the creator and maker and the king of heavens and the earth, has established his rule on earth. And so what we see here is that the Davidic king rules on behalf of God on earth. And this was God's plan. God's plan was to set up a king in the line of David to destroy all of his enemies and dwell with the people of God in peace. Now, this plan seemed to go okay for about five, maybe six minutes. King David, if you recall, was constantly on the run from his enemies. And when he wasn't on the run from his enemies, he sinned in some very major ways. And then after King David was his son, Solomon, and he did have a period of peace and prosperity, but that didn't last very long because he was eventually led astray and the rest of the Davidic dynasty didn't go very well. The kings kept getting worse and worse until eventually the whole nation, well, they divided and then the whole nation, both of them, went into exile. And from the Israelites' perspective, from exile, it would have seemed like the world is winning and that God is losing. But the nation's raging and plotting in vain was all part of God's plan. And the greatest expression of this was the Jews, God's people themselves, gathering together to crucify Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the true and better Davidic king. Jesus Christ is the true anointed one. And in fact, that's exactly what Christ means. The word for Christ is the same word for Messiah, and it just means that he is the anointed one. He is the king. Jesus is the Messiah. And the raging and the rebellion of the people led to the death of Jesus Christ. Another way to think about this is that the plotting of the nations led to the worst moment in the history of the world. And in that moment when Jesus was on the cross, it seemed like the world and the nations and the people were winning. Right? But God wasn't losing. This was his plan all along. And it took the raging of his enemies. God used that to destroy them. Because as we celebrate every week here, on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave and he conquered sin, death, and Satan. And even though it seemed like the world was winning when Jesus died, through the resurrection, Jesus wins. But the story doesn't end there. After winning, Jesus ascended into heaven where he is now sitting enthroned in heaven next to the Father. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this psalm makes it clear that the chaos of the world doesn't take God by surprise, nor does it even come close to knocking him off his throne. Even though it doesn't seem like it, Jesus is still king. But even so, it is so easy for the craziness of the world and everything that's going on to cause us to change our focus from our king to our circumstances. 
One time I was driving home and I was looking down because I was so focused on changing my music. I was trying to find the perfect song for the ride home. And by the way, I think that's illegal, so I like am not promoting this. Um, just an illustration. But as I was looking to find the perfect song, I looked up and I saw that I was running right through a red light. Thankfully, no one hit me. But I was so focused on looking down that I missed looking up and seeing the red light. And isn't this what the craziness of the world does to us? It causes us to look down and focus on all of these circumstances, and we forget to look up and see that we still have a king. All we have to do is look up and see that we still have a king, and his name is Jesus. All we have to do is look to the cross, the worst moment in the history of the world, and know that Jesus used that for his good and that he is still reigning. We can look to the resurrection of Jesus and know that God is still in control and that Jesus is still on the throne. We can look to Christ who is now in the heavens and take comfort that he is still reigning and ruling. We can look to Jesus and we can sing the words of the old hymn that have been very comforting to me this week. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. That's so good. Even though it doesn't seem like it, Jesus, the Christ, is still king. And because he is king, we can look to him. But not only can we look to him, we can take shelter in him. So second point this morning, Jesus is still king, so it takes shelter in him, verses 7 through 12. Psalm continues in verse 7 with King David telling the decree, which just means the rule of God. The Lord said to King David, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Essentially what the Lord is saying to King David is that today you have become my son and I have become your father. And as we talked about at the beginning here, this is referring back to 2 Samuel 7, where God promised to King David that he and his sons would be sons to God forever. And this describes the Davidic king's relationship to God, that they would be his sons. And because they are God's sons, they are to represent his rule to the whole earth. Now, verse 7 is quoted in the New Testament multiple times referring to Jesus Christ. And essentially, what that means is that the promise of a Davidic king who would perfectly rule over God's people and be the Son of God is Jesus Christ. Because as we read over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus is the anointed Son of God. And when Jesus rose from the grave, he not only defeated sin, death, and Satan, Romans 1-4 tells us that he was declared to be the Son of God. Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And Jesus Christ was given the name that is above any angel. And that name is the Son of God. And he is the King. 
Now, we often talk about Jesus coming, dying on the cross, and saving us for our sins. And we should. This is a good thing. We should talk about this every day. We need to be reminded of it every day. But an aspect of the gospel that gets easily missed is the truth that Jesus is king and that he is judge and he will come back one day to judge the living and the dead. Now, verses 8 and 9 are quoted three times in Revelation referring to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's a very strong language here, just showing the anger of the Lord. It was kind of hard this this week looking at this psalm and just seeing the anger of the Lord in this psalm and coming like, I'm all excited to be with you guys and see you in person. Um, But I get to preach on the anger of the Lord. My friends, when Jesus comes back, verses 8 and 9 will be fulfilled. The ends of the earth will be Jesus' possession. He will rule over every inch of the new creation. And all of his enemies will be broken with a rod of iron. He will be, they will be smashed into pieces like a clay pot. And the picture here is Jesus holding maybe a ba- baseball bat or a rod of iron. Remember that Jesus is all-powerful and just smashing a clay pot. Oh, sorry, Kyle. Got a little excited. Just Jesus smashing a clay pot into a million pieces. So many pieces that it could never be mended again. This is what is being described here. And this is what will happen to every nation and every person who does not have faith in Jesus Christ. They will be smashed into pieces like that clay pot. But this psalm is looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ will reign victoriously and eternally over all of his enemies. And he will bring perfect peace and justice to the whole earth. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. And God will dwell with his people as their king. And he will right every wrong and he will make all things new. The Lord will take vengeance on all racial injustice. The Lord will avenge every moment of persecution that we have endured for following Christ. And if I could quote mustache Mitch Friedman, who's actually hiding his mustache this morning. Mitch says that this psalm is a good reminder that this world is not our home, America is not our kingdom, and politics are not our king. We have a better king, and we await a better kingdom. Every nation and every person that does not have faith in Jesus Christ will be smashed. And this psalm continues in verse 10 with a warning for us all. But this is especially a warning for those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Verse 10. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. You who rebel against the Lord and reject His authority, be warned. This is a warning to turn away from your rebellion and your rejection of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and serve Him with fear. Turn away from serving yourself. Turn away from seeking to be your own king and building your own kingdom and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit your life to Him because He is King. Turn to the Lord Jesus with fear and trembling because all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Him. 
And He has the power and the authority to justly repay you for every single one of your sins. He has the power and authority to justly crush you for every one of your sins. So turn away from serving yourself. Turn away from being your own king and turn to the King Jesus Christ and serve Him with fear. To serve the Lord with fear means to stand in holy reverence or awe of Him. That He is the King of kings. Serving the Lord with fear means to bow in humble confession of your sin before King Jesus. Serving the Lord with fear means to obey Him by faith. Not to earn His favor, but because you have already earned it. Then there's a command to rejoice with trembling. And to rejoice with trembling means to praise Jesus because although He could justly crush us for our sins, He doesn't because He was crushed on our behalf. What else could we do but rejoice in our great King? Now the psalm continues in verse 12 with the command to kiss the Son. Now this may be strange for us because when I hear kiss the Son, I'm thinking of my son Emmett and I just want to kiss him because I love him. But this is not the type of kissing that is being talked about here. Now I'm going to use this as an illustration. I think it's historically accurate, but I'm not 100% sure. I just have to throw that out there. I, like, you know where you hear something and you're like, I can't, where, I can't remember where I found that. So I think this is true, but if it's not true, um, it's just going to be a good illustration. Okay? In the Old Testament, when a king was defeated in battle, the defeated king would bow down to the ground and kiss the feet of the king who was victorious in battle. And what they would do is they would make a covenant, and the king that lost would serve the king that won. This is what it means to kiss the feet. So whether that's historically accurate or not, I'm not sure, but this is still what it means to kiss the sun. It's a call to the rebellious kings, and by extension, all of us, to humble ourselves before the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, and to submit our lives to Him. And the warning here is to submit your life to Jesus Christ, lest you eternally perish when He comes back. But the beauty of this is that the feet that we are called to kiss is scarred with the nails that held him to the cross. My friends, I pray that you submit your life to Jesus Christ. Because one day he is going to come back and he will judge you for all of your sins. But thankfully, that's not today. Today is the day of his grace as he invites you to come to him by faith and find salvation. Today is the day of His grace as He invites you to come to Him for refuge. And this is exactly how this psalm ends. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. The only way to get out of the almighty, eternal anger of God is to go to God. The only refuge from the wrath of the Son is in the Son. Jesus Christ is not only our King, He is our shelter. Now I'm going to let you in on some of my struggles as a kid. When I was a kid, I was really afraid of the dark. And I'm talking like super scared. Up until I think I was in 6th or 7th grade, 
I was super scared of going to bed because I was just scared of the dark, and so I had to sleep either in my brother's room or in my parents' room. I had a really hard time sleeping because I was so scared. And one of the things that I would do is I would take the blanket that I was sleeping with and I would cover myself from head to toe, and that would give me comfort. Has anyone done that? You've been afraid maybe to go to bed and you cover yourself with a blanket? I got one half nod. Okay. (laughs) But under the shelter of my blanket, I felt safe. My blanket was my hiding place. And my friends, what this passage is saying is that the Lord Jesus is our hiding place. What a great shelter we have. He is our shelter from our enemies. He is our shelter from persecution. He is our shelter from the storm. He is our shelter from everything that's going on in the world. He is our shelter from the worst thing that could ever happen to us, which is the wrath of God. Jesus Christ is our only shelter. He is our only refuge because he is our only king. A mighty fortress is our God and his kingdom is forever. Amen? My friends, the world has been raging against the king since the fall. But the plans and the sovereignty of our king have never been defeated. And the plans and the sovereignty of our king will never be defeated. So even though the world is raging and plotting in vain and the circumstances seem so crazy, even though it doesn't seem like it, Jesus the Christ is still king. And because he is king, we can look to him. And because he is king, we can take shelter in him. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, King Jesus, we thank you that you eternally reign. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you that you are in control and that you are working all things together in your sovereignty for the good of your people. We thank you, Lord, that this world and this country is not what we are looking forward to, but we have a better world and a better country and a better king that we get to look forward to when you come back. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning who may not know you. I pray that by your grace, you regenerate their heart and give them faith in you that they may submit their lives to you as their king. And Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning who do know you. I pray that they look to you in the midst of everything that's going on. And I pray that they take refuge in you, that you are their shelter. And Lord Jesus, we do pray that you come quickly because we can't wait to be with you. We pray this in Jesus' name and we wait. Amen.